This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Right now we are seeing a massive rise in mental health struggles and particularly here in South Africa, we are seeing these levels rise and rise. And of course we know this is because we have a lot of external factors affecting not only our homes in terms of load shedding, but also the economy, our families and also our friends, our loved ones. And, you know, over the last three years, I know so many of us have lost loved ones or lost something. And today here on Voice of Change, I want to welcome you to the show. It is myself, Lauren Jacobs, and I want us to go to that place of talking about loss, but also about hope. And so joining me on the show today, I have an incredible, incredible guest, and her name is Tyrell Wood. She's 25 years old. She was born and raised in Alberton. She's the oldest of four siblings, and she's very technical, creative. She loves painting and writing, which we're going to get into today. She's also studying architecture and wants to be a mental health advocate as well as a green architect. And she released a book called Finding the Magic Within Her. And it's just incredible. Her journey has been really intense over this past couple of months, 2023 didn't start out well at all. So we're going to be chatting with Tyrell about her journey over the past few months from loss, from pain, suicide, mental health struggles, post-traumatic stress, and then of course, finding the magic within and sharing that hope and sharing that positivity with other people. And that is her heart and her passion. And so it's going to be a great show today as we touch on topics that we often don't talk about, but also that we need to expand our minds and our thinking about as well as I'm going to be asking Tyrell, how do we help and assist our loved ones who are really struggling in their mental health journey. And so, you know what, this is where you want to be for the next hour on Kate Pulpit as we go into really getting some tools from someone who has lived and walked a journey that she can teach us from. So Tyrell is with me after this. We've just entered the month of August, the eighth month. And uh, for some of you, I guess you're probably feeling maybe like the year went quickly or you've had a good year. For some people, this year has felt really long and we've been through so, so many things. And my guest on the show today, Tyrell, is joining me to share her story, to share her journey, to share her 2023 with us. And today you are going to be taken into her journey. And I believe that the hope that is within her heart that and the magic she's going to share with us is going to be tangible and you will feel that. And before we get into it, Tyrell, thank you so much. It is so great to have you with me today and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm I'm really excited to be on the show. Now, 2023 has been quite a year for you, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been oh. it's been a long year. It's it's been five lifetimes for you. So I want us to start at the beginning of the year, you know, in January when you're you're getting to work and it's just a normal January day. And, uh, you know, thing, something just, things just started to happen. So tell us a bit about what's, what, what's been happening with you, you know, out there in January, which feels very long ago. 
And uh, just <laughs> life is always like we, I guess, most of us take for granted just getting up normal day and you getting a phone call about something happening. So tell us what was happening in January on that day. So on January the 19th, um, it felt like a normal day. I drove to work. I started work. I got there at about, well, I started work at eight. Um, I was assisting customers. You know, I was doing my job. And mm-hmm. around half past nine, um, my neighbor gave me a call. She's like, Tyrell, I need you to come home. Our apartment's are on fire. Wow. And I was like, you know, obviously people don't think like fire, fire, like massive yeah. blade. You. you think a little small fire so it's like okay cool let me go check it out. I need to leave now mm-hmm. but I was in touch with state already my colleague said okay I'll drive you there and we drove there and to emo- to prepare myself emotionally I phoned her back and I was like listen I need you to tell me how bad is it mm-hmm. so when I get there I know what I am facing and she cried and she said, Tyrell, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. And then I like started freaking out because now I'm like, oh, my word. I don't know how bad, but it feels really bad. Mm. And when we got there, um, I ran up the stairs because it's a, it's in like apartments, two-story apartments. And I lived on the second story. And when I got there, um, I stood at my bedroom window and everything was gone. Mm. And no bed left. There was no cupboards left. And there was nothing left. I looked to the other window. Um, most of my kitchen, my ceiling, everything was burnt. And, you know, people have that fight or flight response. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, mine is fight. Mm-hmm. So I unlocked my house and I I wanted to go see what I could save and I stood there at the door and I looked around for a few seconds and I was just like watching everything in flames and I was like like for a second I couldn't comprehend like is this real like is this really and everyone was panicking like get out the house and I'm like standing there like numb and I'm like I can't move. So I got out the house and I started screaming. I'm like, why? Like, why? How did this happen? Like, what happened? Like, I couldn't understand why me? Why why a fire, you know? If it was like water, it's a different story. But like, it's a whole fire. There's nothing left. Mm. And um, unfortunately, the Benoni, so yeah, in Joburg, um, the area Benoni, they had no water. They diverted to the Boxburg Fire Department. They took about an hour and a half to come. Mm-hmm. By then, everything was gone. The ceiling was gone. The tiles on the roof were gone. There were massive holes in the roof. Um, and I lost everything. Once they were done, I had to sit and I had to wait for the fire department, the fire investigator. But what was scary is the police came. Um, mm. Someone actually called it in as arson. Mm. And the police came and they said to me, when the fire investigator gets here, let us know so we can speak to her. So she got there a few hours later. I sat in my car, just cried. I was like yeah. numb. You, I can't describe the feeling or how I felt because I felt everything at once. Mm. 
Um, and I sat there and I waited and they actually got me anxiety tablets because I couldn't like calm down. I was yeah. vomiting. I was getting sick. I was just a mess. And when she got there, she looked at me and she just held me. You know, you don't expect it from um, someone in like government or to just stand yeah. there, look at you and, you know, she hugged me and she said, I'm so sorry. She did her investigation. Um, she ruled that it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an electrical fire due to load shedding. And then the police wow. came, um, SAPS. They came and they point blank asked her, so do we arrest her or not? Wow. And that just topped it all off where I was like, oh, my word. Like and I, my eyes just went big, and she fought for me, and she told them, "You better leave now." You know, like yeah. it's not her fault. Like leave her alone. And she looked at me, and she said, "My darling, you lock this door. You don't let anyone in. Don't speak to anyone. The only way Saps comes before us is when someone calls in arson. So mm. someone suspects that you did this on purpose." Wow. And. My report shows you didn't. You had nothing to do with it. It was just, you know, already she said in that week there was three houses that burnt down already in my area. And she said in the whole country it's affecting everyone. Mm -hmm. So I'm not alone. But obviously in that moment I felt alone. So that was January. Um, I had to take the rest of the month off uh, because I couldn't cope. Um, Mm -hmm. The trauma was a lot, so my mind started shutting down. I couldn't remember stuff. I was having nightmares. I could just smell smoke. Mm. Like I could just hear the dripping of the geezer that burst. I could just, it's like I was reliving that day every day. Mm. So that was January. Mm. It's 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 that post-traumatic stress that you're telling us about. It's, it's real. And, you know, in the area where I live here in Cape Town, a couple of months ago, one of the houses burned down here. And like you said, it is actually something that is becoming more and more common now with the load shedding. And it was also directly related to load shedding. And it was so weird standing in the kitchen, seeing all the smoke coming by and running outside and actually seeing an entire house just like you said, not the little fire, not the little, you know, just smoke coming out somewhere, literally flames, you know, reaching, it looks like to the sky and just watching. It's just like watching your, someone is watching their entire life. Literally it's gone before them. And that is so much to deal with. Like you said, the post-traumatic stress and your mind shutting down all those emotions and everything. It's a lot to deal with. And then also you lost your job then, you know, not long after that. And obviously that on top of the trauma that you had been through was so intense. And of course, losing your job is is a trauma on its own. And it's something that we talk a lot about when we talk about mental health as well. Losing your job is high up on the list of things that cause a lot of stress and strain. And obviously, I know that you found yourself in quite a dark place. And of course, emotionally and mentally, it must have been really, really intense for you at that time. It really was. Um, so what happened was I took the rest of January off. And when I got back to work, they wanted me to give 110% of myself. And I was only functioning at like 20%. Mm. 
Mm. I like couldn't make it through a day. I was emotional every day because I'm like, I can't remember stuff. I can't remember anything. Like I couldn't remember things. I literally in my calendar, I had to put reminders like, remember to do this, remember to do that, remember like little things. And um, I couldn't give 110% of myself. And there was a lot of pressure for me to give more. And I couldn't give more. And I tried my best. So that so now we're moving into February. Mm. And on the 13th of February, I was alone for the first time, like completely alone. And I think the realization that, oh, my word, you lost everything. You have nothing. Literally, all I had left that day was the clothes of my body and my car. And it all hit me at once. And I just couldn't do it. And I am not ashamed. Mm. I did try to commit suicide. I overdosed. Um, my aunt and her son saved my life that night. Mm. They rushed me to the hospital, but it was too late. They couldn't pump my stomach. I already overdosed. And I had to spend a week in hospital. And um, the doctors were trying everything they could. And my paracetamol levels were, were not coming down. They were climbing and they were talking about liver transplants and organ failure. They said, if you don't, if you don't find that little bit of strength inside you, you are going to, your organs are going to fail or you need a liver transplant. So we need you to fight. Mm. They were like, you are so young. We need you to find the courage deep inside from anywhere to just fight so that we your life can be saved because on our part we're doing what we're supposed to be giving you the medication we're taking your blood we're doing what we can but it's up to you now mm-hmm. it's your choice whether you're going to keep fighting or you're just going to give up and um, my aunt that saved me she came the one day to visit me in hospital and she looked at me and she said to me she held my hand and she cried and she said, please don't ever do that again. Mm. I can't lose you. My grandmother, my entire family was devastated. I mean, there was no judgment. They completely understood why I did it. But I think they also thought like we, uh, but like I said to them, I don't want to be, I don't want crutches. I don't want yeah. people holding me up. I need pillars. I need to just lean on so I was diagnosed with PTSD mm-hmm. and severe anxiety. And then end of February, I decided to leave that job because they wanted too much of me and I couldn't I, I couldn't give them what yeah. they wanted. You know, it is a business, it must go on, which I understood. Mm. And March, I started a new job where it was just taking a toll on my mental health. They were diving too deep into my personal life, Hmm. um, constantly criticizing me, constantly like putting me down and, you know, just like digging too deep in my personal life, like my Hmm. PTSD and all of that has nothing to do with anyone but me. I'm the only one who can get through it. No one can hold my hand and say, let's do this together. People can be there for me, but on the nights where it feels Hmm. dark and I feel afraid no one can hold my hand. There's stuff. I always call it not hard work. I call it 
heart work, me mm. work. My heart has to heal. And no one can help me with that but me. No one can come inside my body and be like, we're healing you. It's mm. on me. And then I was working there and it was just getting worse and worse. And I'm pretty sure God spoke to me and was like, this is it. This is not the job for you. Yeah. I was in a car accident in April. Wow. I 10 ton tip of truck hit into me mm-hmm. and um, dragged me for about 50 meters. And I honestly thought my life was going to end because mm-hmm. um, it was a massive truck and I was driving like Grand I 10. So you can imagine it's like yeah. a little end versus a human. Yeah. And what made it worse is the driver ran away. Mm. Um, after blaming me for the accident Um, but at that point I was just like I asked myself am I going to continue just letting things happen or am I going to try Mm. and um, in March I actually in February when I was in hospital I published my poetry memoir Mm. and I was when the doctors told me I need to fight I was like if I can get through this, if I can go one more day and just be okay, if I can help one person, just one, not millions, just one person yeah. not give up and know that, you know, there's more to life. I know firsthand when you're in that headspace of I don't want to be here anymore, no one can change your mind. But I'm hoping through my story and my book, that people do change their mind, especially young people. They decide that, no, I actually want to live, you know. Um, Bad things happen, but I can get through it. I just have to have faith, and they mustn't give up on themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the choice I had to make. It's either I'm going to give up on myself or I'm going to try every day. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new trigger. Every day is something. The PTSD gets worse some days, some days it's good. Some days it's horrendous where I'm having panic attacks and anxiety attacks. But then I tell myself, tomorrow's going to be better. Yeah. Mm. And I said, I'm going to try again tomorrow. And if tomorrow's terrible again, I say at the end of the day, it's going to be better tomorrow until it's okay, until I know that I'm going to be fine mm. one day. Unfortunately, the doctor said it should take about one to two years for me to completely heal. Yeah, which is not something everyone wants to hear when you are 25 years old Mm. uh, that your life has changed so drastically where I completely lost myself didn't know who I was I'm still trying to figure that out I'm trying to motivate people not to give up on themselves and in doing that it's motivating me not to give up on myself Mm. so Mm. I'm trying to tell my story just so that people know that they're not alone Mm because I felt alone I felt like I had no one who understood so I want people to know that I understand Mm. and I'm here you know Tyrell it's so it's so incredibly firstly I want to say from from my side thank you just so much for just being open and sharing with with us who are listening to you today and who are you know, walking alongside you for this time that we are. And like you said, and I fully believe this, 
that there should be no judgment for you know people who attempt suicide and and or even you know people who do commit suicide there, there shouldn't be a judgment and we should look at it and realize that by judging people it's it, it makes things so much worse and i know we're talking to people here you know with us today who are in churches and in faith communities as well and 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 it is my hope that even churches and faith communities and people of faith can also become safe places for people who are struggling whether it be with anxiety depression post traumatic stress whatever it may be and no judgment is is given like you said you needed not crutches but pillars and when we come back from the song that's something that i want to ask you as well and i want to encourage the listeners to stay with us as to you know how do we come alongside the people we love and care about and maybe even people we just know maybe distant acquaintances who are struggling and going through things and that's something that we need you to share with us today so i want to say to you the listener don't go anywhere because tyrell is still with me after this and we're going to be touching on how we can help others but also you know the the magic and the journey that tyrell is on now and not only her poetry book that she's written but something else that she has done through this time so stay tuned and don't go anywhere see you after the break if you're just joining me here on voice of change today welcome to the show i certainly do hope though that you have been with me from the beginning because i'm joined by tyrell wood and we have been you know just hearing and touching on the story and her journey over the past few months this year so much happening and i think that there's probably a lot of people that can connect with you tyrell and can relate to some parts of your story i know you know, from a personal level, having lost uh, a friend recently to suicide and a lot of people around them just trying to figure out, was there something more that we could have done? What what should we have done? And like you said, before we went to the song, when you are in that headspace, it's only you that, you know, no matter how many times people tell you you're not alone or I love you and I want you around, only you can pull yourself up. And I think that that's a message as well that that we have to receive that we ourselves have to decide whether it's depression or anxiety whatever it may be you're the one you're the only one that can get yourself up out of bed in the morning or decide to just keep on taking small steps forward like you said as well today is not a good day but tomorrow could be better and it might be and we're going to keep on going for tomorrow and if there is someone that is listening to us right now that is maybe struggling with anxiety, depression, even post-traumatic stress, post-trauma, and the thing about post-trauma is that you can have post-trauma from something that happened to you 10 years ago. It doesn't have to be something that happened even you know, last year. So maybe you as the listener dealing with that. Tyrell, what, what words would you say to someone who finds himself really struggling today and feeling like nobody understands what they're going through? I am all alone and I don't know what to do. My first word I would use is breathe. I find that when you're in that headspace, you feel like you're suffocating. So just to breathe and when I say breathe it's not only take a deep breath in it's just take a step back and just allow yourself to feel what you're feeling 
But I always say don't marinate in it. Don't sit in it. You know, when you once you sit in that darkness, it's hard. I mean, the first chapter of my poetry book talks about how difficult it is to crawl out of that darkness that mm. it keeps pulling you back and you keep fighting it, but you don't know how. And when you have people around you that say, I love you, you know, or I'm always here or, mm -hmm. you know, there's this big stigma about suicide. They're so selfish. And I'm like, no, I think it's the most courageous thing any human being could do because how much courage and strength does it take to say, okay, I'm going to end my life right now. Mm -hmm. Right now I choose to die. This person is choosing not to live anymore over everything, their family, everyone. They're choosing to end their life which takes a lot of strength. It took me a lot of strength. You know, it's an easy trigger, mm. but to actually go through with it and take the tablets or take the rope or take the gun, that is courageous because it's it's telling people around you, I'm done. Mm. And, you know, I find that you have to have a safe space, whether it is a psychiatrist, a psychologist, mm. a best friend, you know, someone who doesn't judge you, someone who deeply understands you at your core, who allows you to feel whatever you're feeling, who you can go to and be like, oh, today I don't want to live, you know? Like mm. today's hard. I don't feel like living today, but I'll try again tomorrow. So I find that it's also okay to be on medication to help you get through that process. Mm. People shouldn't be ashamed to be taking medication for mental health. I take medication mm. for mental health. I take antidepressants. I take anxiety tablets day and night, you know, to get me through the day, to help with the nightmares, to help me cope. And I feel that when you have people close to you, and you don't know how to empathize with them, instead of judging them or making them feel like their feelings are invalid, take a step back and try. Even if you don't know how, try put yourself in their shoes and try to see it from their perspective and be like, if this was happening to me, how would I take it? You know, and if you say to yourself, okay, it will take me two days to get over it. Look at them and see they they're sensitive. They they can't cope. So maybe mm. I should just give them a hug. Yeah. You know? Maybe all they need is from you is a hug. Maybe mm. all they need is for you to say, you know, I got you or it's going to be okay. I'm with you. Sometimes all we need is someone to walk next to us on the journey. We don't need them to say anything. I mean, I have called my dad crying for 40 minutes straight, just crying my mm. eyes out. And that's all I needed. Yeah. And then I'm a girl. You know, sometimes it's just you got to find your people that are in mm. your corner that understand different aspects of you. So like the aunt that saved my life, I can go to her house and not speak and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And mm. she's okay with it. She expects me to do nothing more. If I have bad days and I end up crying, she holds me and she also wants to cry. Mm. My grandmother 
invites me over, she makes me pancakes, she just spoils me and Mm. lets me just breathe, you know. So you got to have people in your corner that have got you, that that you Mm. know that on those dark days, there's going to be light. And if I can't make that light, maybe someone close to me can. I mean, I have a best friend all the way in Europe. He's born there. And he brings light to me sometimes. Sometimes he changes the way I see myself or I see the situation. So my advice to people who don't know how to deal with people with depression and anxiety, it's it's let them be. Mm. Don't let them get lost in it. Yeah. Try guide them, but don't be overbearing. Don't try to control how they feel. Try mm. guide them away from the darkness. Say, mm. let's go for lunch, you know. Try get them to do stuff or to move. Because I find that when you are depressed, you isolate. Yeah. And then you're alone. And then it's overthinking and it's dark thoughts. Mm. And, you know, so if you see someone's quiet for too long, maybe, oh, let's go for a coffee. Or do you want me to come for coffee? Nine times out of ten, they're probably going to say no. Yeah. But then you can be like, okay, let's do a voice, a video call or whatever, mm-hmm. chat to them, make them laugh, tell them something funny, ask them, have you watched this new movie? You know, just interact with them, treat them as you would a normal person because people with mental health are still normal people. Yeah. We just have different struggles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, so much wisdom there, just so many things that we can take on board. And I think, you know, just... On the weekend, I saw, I think it was over the weekend in the newspaper, it was saying that South Africa's level of mental health has reached a level that is considered, you know, un- unbearable according to, you know, the world. And if you compare statistics of people struggling with mental health as well, all the issues in South Africa, it has really increased so dramatically. And I think that we all need to learn how we need to handle our own mental health and then also how to be there for our loved ones and to realize that we shouldn't focus on fixing people because that's sometimes what people do as well. You want to be the fixer. And so, of of course, it's like you want to give advice and tell a person what to do and, you know, oh, they just got to get over it. We got to stop being like that as well. And we've, we've got to get rid of, of, of that mentality and just really be there and present with those of of us who you know maybe are struggling with our own mental health and with people that we love and Tyrell the last thing I wanted to ask you was your poetry memoir The Magic Within Her you know tell us a bit about you know just in a few you know kind of short moments about has that been the, kind of the blessing that you can take from this year seeing people connect with the words in this book that you have birthed, something you've wanted to do for a very long time, now you have done, and just the way that it has impacted and will continue to impact people's lives. Has that been sort of a, a glimmer? We talk about triggers a lot, but there's also glimmers, the the glimmers of light that we see in our lives and the goodness that we can celebrate. Has that been something that has been a blessing out of so many things this year? It definitely has. Um, I I still read my own book every day. And one thing I can say is it saved my life. 
I know it sounds crazy that something I wrote saved my own life, but there's chapters in there or poems in there that I resonate with now that I did two years ago that still saves me. Um, the reason why I actually published the the book is when I was in hospital, there was an elderly lady in her 80s. Um, I'm pretty, she had a lot of ailments and she wasn't well. And all she used to say to me every day was, all I want to do is die. And I was like, oh my word, like that's not okay. And yeah, I'm laying next to her and I almost did die. Mm. And I'm looking at her and I was like, I was like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want people to feel that. I don't want to hear, I just want to die. And I said to please don't say that there's more to life than that. And then yeah. it's almost like it changed that it ignited a flame inside me where it was like, publish the book, do what you've always wanted to do. Losing everything, you can't get worse than that. Even if all publishers say no, even if it yeah. goes wrong, it doesn't matter. But you've got to let people know that they need to live it's okay mm. to want to live it's okay to also feel like you want to die but come back from it so my book was based on I could say me saving my own life and me trying to tell this poor 80 something year old woman please don't say that I'm here and when I left the hospital she cried she said what am I supposed to do without you and then I was, this must be my calling. I must, I have to do something for people that have mental health issues that feel alone. She had no visitors. She was alone. She had no one. I must, there must be more I can do. So maybe that is why I didn't die when I tried to commit suicide mm -hmm. or why I didn't die in my accident is because maybe I'm here to tell people, don't it's okay to not be okay and I'm not going to tell you oh everything's going to be fine because honestly some days it's not going to be fine yeah but I'm here to tell you not to give up on yourself that's why it's called the magic within her because if you read the book from start it's just darkness and at the end I found light so there was magic within me I just had to dig very deep and I had to yeah. go and find myself and find who I am and I had to take away the stigmas that people were putting on suicidal mental health suddenly if you have PTSD you're crazy if you have a panic mm. attack you're not normal if you're mm. committing suicide you are selfish if you attempt suicide you don't care about anyone you're also selfish and you know it's like no stop putting us under an umbrella of negativity. You know, there are those of us that have mental health that want to help others in a positive way. And there are those of us who struggle every day, like me, with mm. PTSD. But I will never discourage anyone else's pain above mm. or less than mine. Mm. I want to be a positive influence to them. And I want people to know that no one's pain is greater than anyone else's. My PTSD isn't greater than you losing your friend. Mm. But if I can 
make sure that you feel the positive energy from me and I can say to you one day at a time small mm. steps today is bad but tomorrow is going to be better maybe you have a trigger you know it happens yeah. you don't know when you don't know how but you get triggers you just have to find a way to work through it whether it's calling someone whether mm. it's pulling up on the side of the road to breathe whether it's going to mcdonald's whatever is yeah. your go-to to breathe that's that's what i suggest in those triggering moments in those moments where you feel like you're suffocating and can't breathe just mm. find some that helps you breathe if it's to speak about it if you want to sit I had a trigger the other day and it took me two hours to come out of it mm. um, so just yeah. be patient with yourself take time one mm. day at a time don't rush the process don't rush don't let people's stigma and negativity get to you focus on your mental health your healing and just who you are Find yourself and love yourself deeply. Where if someone stereotypes you, you're like, so what, you know? Mm. Um, and yeah. you just keep moving forward, but you just keep the positivity there. That's what I want to do. I want to push people to see that there is light at the end of a very, 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 very dark tunnel. There mm. is a speck Amen. of light, hope. Yeah. Amen. Tyrell, I want to say thank you so much for sharing not only your journey with us, but what feels like a, a word for us today, a word in season for so many people. And of course, for those of us who are listening, who have loved ones who are struggling with their own mental health, because we don't realize how difficult it is for people as well who have loved ones because you want to help, you want to do things. And we just, sometimes people just need to know how. And so Tara, I want to say thank you so much for being with me. I'm going to give you the listener, all the information at the end of the show, how to get Tyrell's book, but it's been such a blessing. Tyrell, you are such a gift. And I want to say thank you for, for you. And also I'm just grateful that you are still with us and that you are, are turning you know, around to say, I want to give hope and I want to share something of positivity with others. And thank you so much for being here today. And I just wish you nothing but the best on your journey and for the rest of the year, that it's going to be a really good rest of the 2023 for you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate being on the show um, and telling my story. It is not easy. It yeah. is still a sensitive subject. You taking the time to allow me to tell it so hopefully one person who listens knows that they're not alone mm, so thank you Lauren. i appreciate it it's such a pleasure tyrell thank you so much and take care same to you always think it is really wonderful how when people are walking through a journey whether it be with your mental health with cancer with you know divorce or struggles in their life that while they're walk, walking out that journey and just learning things that you begin to share that with other people because we always say that the journey and the lessons that you learn 
can become a guide map for other people. It can become a lifeline for other people who are in similar situations. And I'm really grateful for Tyrell coming on today, sharing so openly with us. It is such a privilege, such an honor for us as listeners to be alongside her today and to be listening to her story and sharing those moments, those moving moments I felt that emotion while she was talking as well and just experiencing it inside the depth of me, the emotion of everything that she was sharing, the loss, taking us into how her family responded to her suicide attempt and also understanding that suicide is very complex and it is. And as someone who was a trauma therapist uh, quite a few years ago, it's it's something that I've witnessed and seen and do understand that it's very, very complex. And so today I pray, my prayer is that we as people of faith will become people of safety, safe places and safe spaces where people around us in our faith communities, in our families, in our friendship circles can really come to us and and that we can be safe, that we are non-judgmental people, but that we can offer people a solace for the pain and the struggles that they have in their life. And I pray that we will become people like that so that we become places of safety and where we become places where people want to come to. We can become the place. A place is not the building. We are the place. And I pray that, you know, in the same way that people came to Jesus with all of their problems, with all of their pains, for many of them, it was physical sicknesses that they had. But at a depth, there was emotional pain in every single person that Jesus healed and we cannot ignore that and the the realities that the people faced the same realities that's been faced today and people came to Jesus because they knew that not only was he this great healer but he was someone that was moved with love and compassion when a leper met him in Mark chapter 2 and came to to Jesus that leper was outside of that city for years and years and years because according to Torah law he was unclean so he couldn't go into the city when he came to Jesus for that healing when you when he when they met each other on that road you know our, our Messiah he didn't just you know go oh you can be healed and here's your healing and just allowed it to happen you know Jesus didn't need to touch anybody for them to be healed he could just speak it and and, and the healing could take place but he actually touched that leper and the leper was healed but but by doing that he himself became unclean and that is why he didn't go into the city for a couple of days because he himself became unclean not that he became leprous but that is how it works there's a distinction between holy and unholy and the reason he touched that leper was because that leper had probably never been touched maybe his whole life and so the, the truth of the matter was that Jesus saw in two people's hearts and spirits it wasn't about just that physical healing it was about what we need at a depth and at a level that is at, on our hearts and in our spirits and so don't forget that as you go into the weekend as you go into a week next week and you meet people meet them at the depth of which their heart is at and so until next week it's been so great to be with you take care and see you then.